Welcome to the Let Your Woo Woo Show podcast, where we discuss a wide range of topics from weird science to everyday miracles. We feature interesting people, places, and ideas. This podcast is about getting curious, educating ourselves, and celebrating all of the wild, wonderful, and sometimes weird aspects of this world we share. The intent of the show is to open up our minds to new ideas in a fun and informative way and ultimately help deepen our connection with ourselves, each other, and this world we interact with. If you like deep discussions and out-of-the-box topics, you are in the right place. Welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Let Your Woo Woo Show, where today I'm so excited to have on a new friend of mine, but somebody I've been following for quite a while. He is the founder of The Journeyist Coaching, and he is a fellow life coach, but his whole coaching philosophy is so different from anything I've ever seen. So I'm so excited to walk you through his life journey and through his possible coaching process. Thank you so much, Andrew Carruthers, for being here today and being with me. It's definitely my pleasure. I'm super happy that we've gotten to connect in this way. And the cool thing is we have such similar backgrounds in our life and this new, um, well, not new, but um, directing more of our focus into our passion for coaching. So yeah, I'm super stoked to let my woo-woo show. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny you should say that because every time I get um, a man on here, to me, the title is a little feminine in a way. Oh, I love it. Um, so anytime I get a man on here, I'm like, yes, yeah, so let's see that woo-woo. But no, not really. Um, thank you so much. And I know we do have similar backgrounds because we both come from the hair world. And we both are very connected with coaching. So bring the audience, bring us through where did it come from, from you? Like where, how did it go from hair to now this whole new adventure? Yeah, I'll try to keep this kind of short because I mean, it's like, it starts pretty much from day one of my apprenticeship at, at my very first salon. I never went to hair school. So I came into the hair industry not, not really knowing exactly what to expect. And the first place that I worked at, Tyson, the guy that owned the salon, he was, I think he was the regional education director or something for TG. And so he introduced me to the, the concept that we could be in coaches, we could be um, teachers, we could be a stage artist really fast. Like I, I had no idea there was that much potential within the hair industry. And I had my, uh, my first opportunity to teach. Um, I think it was like six months into um, my apprenticeship. Tyson needed someone to go into the salon and teach a, a TG product knowledge class. And he's like, well, Hey, do you want to go teach this class? And I was like, I guess, you know, I've, I've never taught a class before, but what was really, really beautiful about that was that, you know, it gave me my first taste of uh, sharing something with people and them looking back at me and going, oh, wow, that was really cool. Like this kind of interaction on an educational basis. So that's what kind of brought me into the education world within the industry I worked with TG for a little while, um, helped with education at the different salons that I worked at. And then I started to work with Palm Mitchell Hair Schools um, as, a, uh, as basically a, a haircutting trainer. So I would go in and help train the teachers on how to teach the haircutting system. But through that process, um, we used to joke that our Palm Mitchell school trainings were like self-help seminars. <laughs> <laughs> which was was quite brilliant I mean you know after my first one I was kind of like that was kind of weird like I basically did a bunch of introspection and I thought I was just going to be taught how to be a teacher but I think that when Dennis and Brennan like the the people that were leading that process 
they recognized that if the self-work was done, if their teachers had grounding, if they had foundation, that they'd be better teachers. So that was really my introduction to coaching. And then I hired my first coach pretty much around that same time. I worked for Paul Mitchell School for was about four years. And by the, the end of the fourth year, we had gone from having 20 some odd schools to 100 schools. And at that point, I had taken on the role as artistic director for the advanced education department. So I was traveling like three times a month, Stephanie. I was still trying to maintain a full-time clientele at the salon, like 40 plus hours a week. So burnout occurred quickly, very quickly. <laughs> my, my coach, Lynn, she, um, uh, it's Lynn Christian from SoulSalt. She's an incredible coach. And she had developed this project called the Hedgehog Project. And if we think about a hedgehog, a hedgehog has a very unique defense mechanism that rolls itself into a tight little spiky ball. Not many other creatures on this planet do the same thing that a hedgehog does. So she called it the Hedgehog Project because the goal of the project was to get you to a place that you could recognize this is your very unique place within the world. Like, what's your spiky little ball that you roll into. And so through, um, through the Hedgehog Project and some exploration, it just became really apparent that coaching people was exactly where I should be. Luckily, she was actually starting her own uh, coach training company. She's a master certified coach with the ICF. She was like director of innovation for Franklin Covey. And so it's like, oh, cool. Like, this is definitely the person I would want to teach me to be a coach. So I got to be in one of her first groups to, to develop coaching skills. I think that was, that, I think that was 2009 that I, that I started doing the coach training. And pretty much immediately, it just was like, yeah, this is, this is my thing. So over the next few years, I did take coaching clients. I worked with individual coaching clients. While I was still trying to be a hairdresser, <laughs> I had stopped working for Palm Mitchell the school because I was just so burned out. And, it, and at one point, I did think I was just going to leave the industry completely. And that was kind of the impetus for really focusing on coaching because I thought that would probably be what I'd transition into. But basically, had my company and my coaching company as a side project pretty much from 2010 all the way up until this past year. In this past year in 2021, um, during especially our time by ourselves in our homes, um, I had a lot of introspection time like many of us did. And through that introspection time, I recognized that my passion for hair was pretty much gone. I still had a huge passion for teaching and supporting people. I had a great job as education director for Sambia, which is this big, beautiful company in our industry. And everything within my analytical head was in that space of like, I don't know, like, why would you give this up? You don't hate your job. Like, I didn't hate my job. I still like my job. I made a great living. It was secure in this very insecure place that we are still currently living in. And everything from like the head brain down was just like, no, it's time to jump. It's time to make this giant leap. It's the perfect time to do it. And so, yeah, as of January 1st this year, I fully committed to the journeyist, my coaching company. Wow, I can relate to that so much. And I wonder how many of the audience members can as well, because, mm -hmm. you know, it's, I wonder sometimes, Actually, I just got off a meeting and we talked about this and I don't know if we ever have the one calling in our life. However, the listening to the calling that's calling us in the moment and doing that part that you've done and leaping into your own coaching journey and letting go of other things that were very successful. And like you said, you didn't hate them. It was the same mm -hmm. thing for me. And it's like, it's 
you've got another part of our brain that's all about fear. And it's like, oh, I, I'm too scared to do that. Why would I do that? When I, I like my job, it's okay. But I always bring it back for me. It's like, when I'm 80 years old, what is going to be the path that I'm going to wish that I'd taken? And of course, we never know that for sure. But that question has always been a very grounding question for me. And so I know that you followed your heart through this. And I also wonder, because I know you do a different type of coaching as well. You have, and I don't want to massacre it. I am not, it's a brain integration or mind integration. Um, I'd love for you to take us through that portion because that's the aspect of your coaching that I don't know a lot about, but I'm really interested in. Yeah. So this, this was turned, I was turned on to it by my coach, Lynn Christian, because she was one of the first groups to go to Australia and learn from Grant Suslu and Marvin Oka, who developed multiple brain integration techniques. It's called, um, the short acronym is MBIT. <laughs> and so it's multiple brain integration techniques. So Marvin and, and Grant came from, they were very big in the NLP world. But they were kind of seeing this missing piece within NLP, which is neuro, neuro-linguistic programming, for those of you that haven't heard of NLP. But the, the missing link for NLP was that it primarily spoke to the head intelligence. It primarily was head-based. There was incredible amounts of research coming out that showed that the heart was a functioning brain that the enteric system, the entire enteric system from your throat all the way down to the exit door is an entire brain that operates independently. Now, the autonomic nervous system is pretty much recognized as a separate brain. Our um, um, pelvic space is recognized as a brain. The, uh, um, The vagus nerve potentially is another place that they're starting to almost see individual intelligence. So these are things though, that all of the esoteric wisdom keepers, they knew this. We intrinsically know it because of what we say. My heart is telling me this, my gut is telling me this. And it was always things that we probably just threw out there without any actual thought that we were referencing intelligences separate from the head. So uh, what Grant and Martin did is they looked back into all the esoteric teachings, but then they took all of the new um, neuroscience that was coming out about all of this stuff and packaged it into this thing called multiple brain integration techniques and create, you know, did tons and tons of um, case studies with different people on how to basically in get us to start listening to those intelligences and get them to actually integrate with each other. Because one of the things that we talk about within that structure is that we have these things called neural integration constraints. And these constraints are things that block us from having integration. And a lot of times it's just that we, we kind of have this battle. Like how many of you out there have had the experience that your gut is screaming something at you like my past year in 2020 my gut my intuition my deeper sense of like my true self is saying hey it's time but it's you know those intelligences especially if we haven't been paying really close attention to them tend to be faint a, a fainter signal within our within our thoughts and then the head brain comes in with its like iron fist and says no analytically you know best case scenario worst case scenario here are the pros and cons like that's that's the language of the head brain which when it's used properly is brilliant but when it's overrunning the other intelligences of the body that's a neural integration constraint is because we're too focused on one intelligence so the whole purpose of that the multiple brain integration techniques is to get us to tap into the different intelligences within the body and to hopefully get them to integrate more fully so that we just have greater wisdom in how we make decisions and how we move through life. 
I think it's brilliant. Um, I had actually a moment in, well, it's actually three moments leading up into one, but I'm not going to go there with all three. But it was the final pillar of this whole journey. I don't want to say that actually. When I say final pillar, I'm like, this is bullshit, Stephanie. There's no final pillar, whatever. You get off your <laughs> high horse of enlightenment, right? Um, no, but I, I had a, a meditation and um, last year, and I actually might've talked about this on a different podcast, but basically I had this download. I like to call them downloads where it's just all of a sudden this inner wisdom, whatever you want to call it, doesn't matter where it came from. It was something that hit me all throughout and just said, Hey, home is where the heart is. Our heart um, is where we are meant to live, but yet we have learned to live in our brain. That's the message I got. Now, whether people want to agree with it, I, I love my brain. I have to tell myself that all the time because my brain goes in so many different directions. I was spent, so, I spent so long being mad at it for thinking okay. negatively, for bringing me down the wrong paths, for being jealous, for being all the human things that we tend to get caught up in. And I would get very mad at my brain. How dare you even think that, you know, that that's not the way you should be living. And so now I, I, I thank it. You know, it's kind of like, I know what you're trying to do. You're just trying to protect me, but I do my best to live in my heart. And I'm going to be honest with you, Andrew, like your whole time speaking there, I just kept, I kept nodding because I'm thinking yes to this, because the more I live in my heart, the more I'm listening to other parts of my body. And I did some research on it myself and the heart has its own memory every, and to your point, so does the gut right there. They have their own memory systems. They are their own brains. And I had a moment actually earlier today, and hopefully this is good for the audience, but, um, I tend to have a hard time with boundaries and saying no, right. That's been part of my journey. And so I've been working on that. And today I had to say no to somebody I love. It was my husband. And I had to say no to um, time spent together because I needed to do something for me. And I was, it came from my heart. I knew the answer, but yet I still felt heartbroken. And what in the end I concluded was, this is going to be hard for me no matter what. I'm going to feel guilty no matter what. And I am also, um, if I were to say yes to it, I'm going to feel resentful. Mm -hmm. So which feeling would I rather feel the guilt right now or the resentment, or can I let the guilt go? And so this was actually just today. And so it was huge for me, but all this came from my heart. And as I was searching, I couldn't listen to my head, right? I had to listen to my heart and the whole thing. And my heart knew the answer. The answer was in this case, I had to be quote unquote selfish, right? So in saying that is and I, I may be putting you on the spot right now, and it's okay if this is not the case, but is there a certain technique when it comes to that, that um, the audience could do if they're faced with a similar situation in that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one, of, <clears throat> one of the first things that you have to do to be able to tune into these intelligences is we have to get our nervous system into better coherence. Because if the nervous system is too highly into the sympathetic, that fight, flight, freeze, appease state, or if it's too dropped back into the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest, that kind of like super peaceful meditative state. If we're in either of those parts too strongly of the nervous system, then it's really hard for us to get into the body. Because if we're highly sympathetic, it push, pushes up us into the primitive part of the brain of survival. And so if we're in survival mode and in that primitive part of the brain, talking to our heart or trusting our gut, it, you know, and trusting that intuitive part of us, it's going to be pretty difficult. Same thing if we're kind of too far down into that, like just super chilled out state. Um, it's, it's also hard to be able to activate those, those, um, those intelligences. So one of the first things that really is, is super easy, one of the best biohacks that you have at your disposal that's 100% free and accessible to you at any time of day is, is the breath. And we all hear, take a deep breath, take, take a breath, take a breath, take a breath. But actually what you want to do to get the, the body into coherence is you actually want to soften the breath 
and have it be a nice and soft and even. You want an even count in with an even count out because the breath in activates the sympathetic aspect of your nervous system. The paras or in the breath out activates the parasympathetic. So if I'm breathing kind of, then all of the emphasis is on the in-breath. And so I'm really highly activating the sympathetic side. If it's, <laughs> it is very focused on the breath out, that's going to draw me more into the parasympathetic. Which you can do if you're too sympathetic, you can focus on the, the out breath. But eventually you want to get yourself into a nice balanced breathing process where it, whatever's comfortable for you, they say ideal is about five and a half uh, seconds in, five and a half seconds out so that we have six breaths per second. They, they find that to be ideal um, for ultimate coherence, but- Better get that half second. That's right. <laughs> Don't miss a half second. <laughs> But um, for the most part, what's really important that is, is that it feels comfortable. So if your breathing pace has you at a place that currently three seconds in, three seconds out is what's comfortable, then that's what's the best thing to do. So um, first, my recommendation, if you start to feel any of these kind of conflicts, if it's the head trying to overrun the heart, if the heart is going too emotional, if the gut is kind of like putting you into self-protection because it's just like all bound up and scared of something. First thing is to try to get that nervous system into coherence because without being in coherence, it's really hard to shift anything. So that's step one. Just take a few moments and just focus on the breath. But like I said, do it with purpose, even breath in, even breath out. The next step is to um, just per, just be just step into awareness perception. When we're in a state of observation, to to something that you said, when we're in a state of observation, we don't have to make anything right, wrong, good, bad. We're just present to it. Okay, well, I'm feeling something from my heart, so get into my breathing and just bring my focus to that space. What am I feeling? Because sometimes what we, what we miss is the sensory aspect. And the body's intelligence, that's one of the ways that it speaks to us is through the senses and through the actual sensation aspect of the body. So, oh man, like I'm kind of feeling tight in my chest as I think about this. Like I don't necessarily need to make sense of it. I just bring focus to it. I just bring awareness to it. Ooh, yeah, that, that feels kind of tight. Oh, and interesting. There's kind of like this, like I almost picture like this reddish glow coming from my heart space right now. Huh. Okay, cool. Again, who knows? Like you don't need to make any sense of it. Just bring attention to it because your body will make sense of it. We keep wanting the head to analytically make sense of it and get a result from it. The, the head wants beginning, middle, end to every story. So if we, again, just take our time, sit with awareness, and then we can ask ourselves great questions. And you all, you all know this innately, what questions to ask. If you think about when you say, my heart tells me this, or when you feel something in your heart, you know what those things are, right? It's human connection. It's compassion. It's empathy. Um, it's what you deeply value. Those are, the, those are the intelligences, the highest expressions of the heart. And so you can ask yourself some questions. Okay, Stephanie, so knowing that compassion is really important to us, what might be best at this point? And you can ask yourself some prompting questions. And, you know, just to use your situation as a, a great example, you know, a follow-up question would, you know, because I understand that it's like, okay, I, I need to give this to myself. A great follow-up question instead of kind of going to a place of it has to be the, at the expense of something is how will this benefit my husband in the future for me to give myself this gift right now, right? Because that's, that's the desire of the heart is to improve connection, 
Like it never, it doesn't want to separate. It doesn't want to take away from that connection. So one of the ways that we can keep ourselves from kind of almost like putting ourselves into unnecessary pain with those kinds of things is, well, how does this support that? How would this decision support a value of compassion, a value of connection? You know, so those are the ways and you, you can do that with the gut intelligence like if you're getting rumbly stomach like you know it's definitely i know that you're a teacher too and like right before you teach you get that rumbly belly and so one of my practices again is to i actually use a little different breathing practice before presentations because i do kind of get more into that sympathetic state right before a presentation so i'm trying to bring myself back down but do some breathing and then i go to my gut and, and I sit with that sensation, like, okay, just feel what it feels like to have butterflies in my belly. What does it feel like? Okay, yeah, I'm noticing that it's a little, like, I go right to that space and give it the recognition that it needs. Like, okay, so what's causing the butterflies? What, what, is, what am I concerned about? I'm concerned that they might not like me. Okay, well, what, what proof do you have that that's true? What do we have to protect ourselves from? So you, you can have these conversations internally and you can do it with the mind too. Okay, mind is telling me stories. Now, love that you said that like in the past, because I think a lot, of, a lot of people probably completely related with exactly what you said is we kind of turn the mind into this evil little bastard up there telling us these shitty stories and, you know, creating imposter syndrome and all this kind of crap. But when we go to it with the compassion of the heart and say, oh, okay, mind, I see you. You're, you're there to make sure I survive. You're there to keep me in, in comfort. You're there to uh, avoid pain and pursue pleasure. It's the job of the mind. It's part of our ego. And stop, by the way, stop making ego such a bad thing too. But anyway, yes, yes. <laughs> but when we go to those places and we say, oh, okay, let me sit with you instead of judge you, brilliant things happen. And we, we see purpose behind these, these really brilliant and incredible things that our body and our mind do to us. One of the things that the Buddha taught was that instead of fighting with these things, we should sit with them and be in awe that we could even do this, to be in awe of the fact that we could have self-doubt, to be in awe that our, our mind could create a story that has no basis in truth. Like, and, and just think about that, y'all. Like, think about instead of going to judgment, instead of getting upset with ourselves, we sit and we go, holy crap, what a powerful thing I have between my two ears that it can create this brilliant story and convince me that it's true with almost no basis that it is true. You all of a sudden are in a space now that you can do something about it. Like you can do something different. But as soon as we go into judgment and like get pissed at ourselves and all that kind of crap, we're stuck, right? So Anyway, that was a long, super I long version. It. I apologize, and but that was so no, no, no. That was so valuable. And my brain is going here now. My brain. <laughs> um, no, but really, I my background when I got into coaching, um, I've always loved psychology. So I did psychology in university. I didn't finish the degree, but I was very involved in it and sociology. I love the interaction of people. Um, but I decided to get a certification in acceptance commitment therapy. So by the mm. way. Um, a lot of what you're saying in terms of talking to the body and the mind, very similar in this type of therapy. Um, they are very uh, Eastern based in their thinking in this, this realm of therapy. Anyways, but I was just, as you were going through, I was thinking, yes, that is exactly um, what has changed my life is tuning into the different parts of me. However, I will say this is the value to the audience. This is the value of having a coach. Okay. Now I didn't bring Andrew on here to coach me for this scenario today. However, I got the blessing of it. Um, we cannot see necessarily the things we need to see on our own. 
Mm-hmm. Right? This is why it's so beautiful to have mentors, to have coaches. It doesn't even matter um, when it comes down to it, if it's an in-person coach, although that is the best option. But you can look for um, all of these inspirations to just think differently. And for people who are following this podcast, nine chances out of 10, they're, you know, used to talks of enlightenment and all this. Um, But there's a stage and Andrew, I'd love to hear your uh, opinion or your insight on this, but I feel like there's a stage because enlightenment is a very trendy word, but Mm. this stage of our journey through um, connecting with our higher self, and at least it was for me, where there was a point, I almost was mad at myself. I was almost mad at myself for not knowing what I was doing to myself. And then I had to um, go through a process of forgiving myself for all of the ways in which I treated myself poorly and in result treated other others poorly, because I have this theory that hurt people hurt people. And that's it. Like, you know, if you're not hurting, another person may be unintentionally hurt by something you say or do. But it's, if it's coming from a place of heart, at some point, I know in my heart, deep down, they will come to understand that it was for a purpose and they will come to understand it. Even if it's on their deathbed, they will understand it at that point. Um, but if you're hurt, it's, we hurt people unintentionally. Where am I going with this? There was a point, Andrew. But when I, when I think on it, um, I just went through this whole journey of, you know, trying to get through of the fact that my, one of my values was kindness. And yet I hadn't been kind to myself. I hadn't been kind to others. And so I had what we call in psychology, and I'm sure you've heard the term psychological struggle on the whole thing, right? Struggling with myself. And I wonder though, is that part of the journey of this whole thing? You know, part of awareness is having to integrate all these parts of us right? And to your point of going back to the Buddha and this acceptance of, wow, how cool is that? Like, how cool is that, that I can even get here, that I can even see that and getting to that perspective. Did you have a similar journey on that? And if you did, um, how did you come to terms with it? Here's the thing. Uh, Yes, I've had an incredible journey because my natural tendency still to this day, I haven't necessarily changed the tendency. I've changed how I work with this tendency, but my mind goes to judgment very fast, very fast. And it, it, it's part of my value of, of um, things having quality. I like things to have quality. If there isn't quality, I don't really feel a purpose. I don't really feel that there's something there for me. The Achilles heel of that value is that I can be quite judgmental if something doesn't seem to have the quality that I wanted to have, including myself, including how I've handled myself, including the conversations I've had and how I've treated other people in my life. And so, yeah, there was definitely that journey of that was part of the reason I I hired my coach back in the mid 2000s is because I finally had a recognition that, wow, the way that I talk to people naturally, not with intent to hurt, not with intent to harm, but it doesn't make them feel good. I'm, I'm I was very direct. I was very honest about my opinions. And again, I, I can honestly say it, it wasn't with any conscious intent. I don't, I don't think most of the time we, we do those things with conscious intent. But I had to start to recognize the emotional wake I was leaving behind in these conversations. And I felt a responsibility to do something about it. And so I had to go into the coaching process. But it took a long time for me to continue to step back step into a place of acceptance of my experiences, what had happened in the past, what other people's experiences with me in the past had been. And again, acceptance. Um, And I I hope I don't like, I don't want to make it seem like I'm professing Buddhism or something, but because I'm not a Buddhist, but I, I do think that the Buddha was one of our 
very great teachers on this planet, like many other of the ascended masters. But, you know, there's a reason why acceptance is one of the most central pieces of, you know, the path to enlightenment. And it's because if we don't come back and we don't get to a place that we can look at our past, our experiences, our processes and say, it wasn't good. It wasn't bad. It wasn't right. It wasn't wrong. It was. It just was. If we can't get to that place, we, we can't release ourselves from the suffering that that judgment brings. And if we continue to uh, self-inflict suffering on ourselves, progress is kind of impossible. Like we are stuck, we are trapped, we are held. And so, you know, the, the buzzword of enlightenment, or, um, you know, kind of like, oh, I'm woke or, you know, like that kind of stuff. It's, it's interesting to me. And, and actually, you know, it's something that we, I had a great conversation with my wife just recently because I am, um, I, I love to go really deep into stuff. You can already tell that because I talk a lot and I process a lot. <laughs> but um, I had never asked my wife, who I've been with for over 20 years, what she felt the purpose of life was. And she's like, you know what? Like, I don't need enlightenment. I don't need this like spiritual awakening path. She's like, that's not what I need. She's like, I really think the purpose is just to be here and enjoy it. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, damn it. Yeah, you're so spot on. Like, because what she did was she took this very complicated process that so many people, including myself, and it sounds like you too, Stephanie, that we go through such depths to try and find like, oh, how do I? continue this progress and this evolution and all of this stuff and it's like oh maybe it's just to see life as the journey that it is and to experience it hmm could it be that simple <laughs> my husband's very much the same way uh, so we were at a conference one time and they had us um, do a 10 year plan and they said, okay, well think of, it was actually 2020 is the last trip I ever took before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so we did from 10, 2010 to 2020. And we said, okay, well, where's your life gone? You got to see within a decade. Wow. Right. This oh, is was this with Jason Everett? It was. The you were there too, yeah, right? Yeah. I was there. Mm -hmm. And so from 2020 to 2030, then he had us map out, um, what the next 10 years would look like. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I had so many things like, Andrew, the things I had on this list, like writing a New York Times bestseller. And, you know, he told us to dream big. So I said, oh, yeah. I mean, you asked me to dream big. I'm meeting Oprah, I'm meeting Ellen, and I'm doing a New York Times bestseller. I am, in, I am inspiring millions of people and, you know, just all this. And so when I sat down and uh, I did this whole thing, there was a woman next to me and her dream was to own a cabin. And Andrew, what mm -hmm. broke my heart in that moment was, because my, my dream genuinely at that moment was all these things, but she felt bad about her dream. Because my dream, because I went so far with mine, she felt bad about hers. And in that moment, my heart just went, Oh my God, the, we are in such a society of striving and that, mm -hmm. you know, because in the end, Andrew, I would be happy, genuinely happy. If I had a few people at my funeral who said, wow, she really helped me. Cause that's genuinely how I would feel. But when I get all caught up in my ego, you let that thing go. I want all of the things. Right. And my husband is the same way. He, all he wants is a cabin and he grounds me. Right. And he, so when she said that, I said, the person I love the most in the world wants a cabin too. And I said, just because my dreams are this, your dream is beautiful in wanting a cabin because your heart will be full because of it. I don't know if my heart will be full if I meet Oprah, but I know my heart will be full if my husband gets his cabin 
if I just impact a couple people. So it's all about, you know, in that moment, I recognized it's okay to dream. It's okay to have imagination. It's okay to manifest. Mm -hmm. All those things are beautiful. They're beautiful things. But in the end, to your point about your wife, I really do believe she's right because in the end, it's what will give us happiness. Because if I were to go tomorrow, I'm okay. I'm okay with what happened today. And even if we just live our lives like that, so yeah, I can get deep, deep too, Andrew. I love the deep conversations, but I hope that was valuable yeah. to the audience. But like I said, I just had that moment of, it's okay to want what we want, mm-hmm. right? It's okay to want what we want, but why do we want it? That's, that's the most important question. That, that is the question that so often doesn't get asked is, okay, what's your goal? What's your big goal? Oh, I want to have, you know, I want to break this, this number financial goal by the end of the year, which is great. I, I support you 100%. I want, I want to make six figures by the end of the year. Cool. How come? Uh, well, what do you mean how come? Because like that's, that's the number I want to hit. Well, what will you have if you hit $100,000 this year, what will you have? What will be different? What will it bring you? Because those are the questions that will dive deeper into um, that's what you actually want. And th- this is a huge, huge learning lesson for myself in the last couple of years. And it's kind of part of the reason that I, I actually don't do dream boards and stuff too much anymore because my whole perception of this, this thing has changed. Because dream boards were, I I would put things that were experiential, but most of my dream boards were about stuff. Like I want to have this house. I wanted to look this certain, I want to have this number figure. But what didn't happen within that dream board was, well, what's the experience of having that? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? What does it taste like? What does it smell like? And when you're in that space, What do you have that you don't have sitting here right now in the shack that you live in and making $10,000 a year instead of $100,000 a year? What what will be different? How will it serve you? How will it serve your family? Because those are, that's the actual richness. Like that's the stuff that's really important. And it's also the thing that will manifest it. You know, just dreaming about the Mercedes isn't going to bring in Mercedes. That's one of the things that I was first introduced to manifestation by the movie, The Secret, back like, you know, I think that was like early 2000s. And um, I I mean, it blew my mind and it was super inspiring. Now, when I look back at it, a lot of it, I'm kind of like, this is so focused on just getting the car, getting the diamond ring, getting this, getting that. And it's like, I think the missing piece, and they do kind of talk about it within it, is, but, but like you have to go deeper into like connecting to the energetic signature of what that is. Because like for me, we just bought a new camper this year. And that camper, like, yes, I had something specifically that I wanted. Like, so I, I had it, I had the picture in my head. I knew what it was going to feel like to camp in that camper. But when it came down to it, the most important part of it, there was a couple of really important pieces to that camper that number one, it was more time with my family. It was more time with my wife and my dogs doing the thing that brings us the most peace and joy on the planet, which is being outside. It was also an escape pod because I live in a place that we have fires, you know, in 2020, uh, Fire ripped through the center of our, our city, you know, and took out 1,500 homes, a couple hundred businesses, and it got to the base of my hill. <laughs> and so the, the material object, the camper, had so much deeper of an importance to me from, uh, an, from a level that was not about the material anymore, but what does it do for my family? And I have to tell you, it was such an easy process to um, purchase the camper. Like 
things just fell in line. Some money came to us from an unexpected place. And the camper that we already had, which was just this little tiny one that I didn't think would be worth much, that that particular camper store was like, hey, actually, we really want that. Like, we'll give you. They gave me so much more money than I ever thought like anyone would give me for it. So I guess my point is, is that when we when we get focused on the deeper source of why, like you said, why do you really want this? That's where like these incredible things start to happen for us. And it's where we start to put ourselves into alignment with our core values. That's the most important to us as humans. And that's, to me, coming back to the multiple brain integration techniques, that's really the purpose of it is to get people into that deeper space where it's like an embodied sensation of like, okay, yes, this is the truth here. And I feel it from the tip of my head to the tip of my toes, to the tip of my fingers and all points in between. That's the purpose. That's the goal. That all resonates so much with me. And to your point about the dream boards, I actually put mine away. We have, I've recognized anyway, because of course, um, I follow along with your journey a lot. And we'll get to in just a moment where people can find you and follow your journey as well. Um, But we have a very similar outlook on goals because I also Mm -hmm. felt burnout, right? And so um, I put, dream boards are awesome and they have their place. But I put mine away and I created a list. So I wrote out everything that um, I somewhat desired or really desired in my life and just have fun. And then I wrote down every single feeling until I had no more in me of what I wanted to feel because of it. And then I made a list of, in the end, of about 20 feelings that I wanted. So they came mm. from this. And that 20 feelings I have up on my, in my office and I have above it and I wrote it because I love rainbow ink and, you know, I love going into all that. So I have, it's beautiful. And I have above it. And I said, above it is how can I feel even more of this today? Because I want it coming from a place of even more because I recognize I already have those moments in my life. And so I still have the list. I hold on to the list of the things that I quote unquote want. But it's, again, to your point, it's not about, never about the object. It's never about the object. And it's never about the experience as such, but it's about how we think we're going to feel when we get there. But I also know it's okay to want things. So when I say this and the audience is listening, I just, you know, I want the audience to know it's okay to want things. And I've had to come to terms with that because I'm a, you know, I I like a few things. So I've had to, to the point of your acceptance, right? I've had to accept that I have big dreams and it's okay to have a big imagination and to have big dreams. That's okay. But I also need to, I'm so glad I have my husband to ground me, but I'm and people around me to ground me because I also need that grounding. And so to your point about the acceptance, and I think, you know, for me, it always comes down to the yin and yang, you know, we just, we need that balance within us and, um, but it's already innately within us. If we just allow it to be, I truly believe that I truly Mm -hmm. believe it's already there, but, um, to the point about the goal setting and your idea of goal setting, I know, um, and we can just go briefly there for a moment before we, I let you go because I value your time, but. Um, I love your idea about what goals could be as opposed to where we are now in society. Would you mind going there a little bit? Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is, again, this is just something that's so incredibly important is, you know, because I think especially for, the, you know, and hopefully some of you that are listening will, will be able to relate to this, but I think the deeper that we kind of go into these paths of like self-help of spiritual journeys, all of these things, we can get ourselves into trouble with shooting all over ourselves the same way that we can in all aspects of our life. We, we start to get this like spiritual should. And, you know, cause again, like a lot of my history is from the Eastern darkness and, you know, they, they teach a lot about the suffering of desire of too much wanting, too much hunger. 
And when it does, you know, if I really sit and I go super high level and I kind of like strip everything back, yes, if I could get to a place that I wanted nothing, I that probably would be a very enlightened state. You know, I'd probably get to ascend to the highest levels of heaven or some great crazy shit like that. But at the same time, I, I'm a human and I live on planet Earth. And so I think the acceptance that natural human tendency is to have wants, to have desires. Well, if I accept that and I stop judging myself for having those wants and desires, I can then establish a better relationship with it that feels healthier, that doesn't feel um, like addiction or um, pressure. And so with this goal setting process, it was, it was exactly that. Like, can we, can we reach out and say, here's what I'd like to try to experience. Here's what I'd like to move myself towards. I love what you said. Like, what can I experience more? What, what can I try here to, to see what happens, to step into the journey, to maybe pursue that goal or pursue that sensation or that feeling or that want that I have? but do it without this addiction to how it has to be. And that's what I think that my resistance to the traditional goal setting process, you know, and and something like smart goals, like most people will probably have heard of the thing called smart goals, S-M-A-R-T goals, because it's something that- Your homework says Simpson, (laughs) S-M-R-T. Right, (laughs) S-M-R-T, I'm so smart. (laughs) Dating myself right now, sorry, go ahead. (laughs) No, I love it. Um, so smart goals are like, okay, it has to be very specific. It has to be measurable. Um, it has to, what was the A, um, achievable. the R was real. Yeah. Achievable, realistic, and time sensitive. Right. I think that was the, yep. the structure. So, okay. It has to be really specific. Exactly. What do you want? And like, you know, you, you make it measurable. Like how will you know if you achieve it and all of these things and and I'm, I'm being a little divisive with how I'm saying that. So I apologize if this is how you work. But, but for me, it wasn't working because it was making me so obsessed with a certain and specific result that I had to have. That's where the pressure was coming from. And so in my coaching practice, I've switched to, okay, so what direction do you want to move towards? What direction do you want to try? What journey would you like to take? What experiment would you like to partake in? Because then, then it's about, then it's about the excitement of exploration. And I don't have to be so addicted to it looking a certain way, because frankly, if it has to look a certain way, you might walk past the path that was way easier, way more fun, way more exciting, just because you are so focused on it has to be this certain way. And there's just, there's so many like stupid memes and things out there that just put so much pressure on us. Like you mentioned earlier to just excel and make it bigger and you can do more and all of these things that I love what they're, I love what the purpose and the hope of the meme is but the Achilles heel is that it is just absolutely taken over our minds to think that we have to just push past all of our limitations and be so extreme with all this crap. And it's like, I, I think for most of us, that just creates more suffering. It just creates more pressure. It just creates more anxiety. I think there is a 1% or maybe a 10% of the planet that thrives in that space. But what I realized recently is that those are the 10% that are always speaking. They're the Tony Robbins. They're the ones standing on the stage. But in that room of 5,000 people, how many of them actually want to live life at that extreme? You know, like, I think it's, I think it's with a good purpose, Stephanie. Like I, I, again, I don't think there's any ill intent or anything like that, but I think that 
sometimes there's this almost danger in the self-help world. It's just so extreme. And, you know, you read any self-help book and it gives you this impression that, well, if I just follow these five easy steps, I'll never suffer again. I'll never feel sick. I'll never, you know, I'll be rich and I'll be healthy and all of these things because that's what it promises, right? And it's like, oh, but wait, actually here in my little house that has crappy windows that the air just kind of whips right through that forces me to snuggle on the couch with my wife and my dogs even closer. This is happiness. Like I have happiness. I have peacefulness. So is it okay for me to say, well, I would like the experience of a different house. 100%. If it becomes an obsession that creates stress and pressure and frustration. I don't know. I, I want, I would just ask that you ask yourself is in, in the words, of my friend, Beth Carson, is the juice, juice worth the squeeze? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You actually, a part, well, something you said there actually just went straight through me and it was, so I did Tony Robbins university during the pandemic and I, mm. I loved it. Okay. But I did recognize something. I recognized something. So I also did their coaching program as in, I I had a a coach with it. It came with it. And so I also love that. However, it became so goal focused that that's where I came to the realization that, you know what, Um, not goal focused that yes, but more results focused. And results, the measurement of the results. So that's where I'm so happy I have the discernment I do because that helped me to recognize, wait, you know what? I can take things from this that are so valuable that have changed my life. But I also know that, you know, that path for me as in being a Tony Robbins in general coach, which is lovely for some, just wasn't for me right? To Mm -hmm. do the same method, the exact same method. Because to your point, I just wanted a softer version of it. I wanted a version that was softer on me because I'd already done the burnout. I'd already done all that. I'd already, um, I was already a great goal setter and I was already a great goal accomplisher, but I also know what can happen when I was in like, quote unquote, the Olympics of goal setting, (laughs) right? Um, Yeah you know, to the audience, not that I'm some, you know, I don't know, not that I accomplished so much in my life, but you know what, there's not one goal I had that I didn't, but it was what I went through to get there. Oh my goodness. Andrew, I would never want to, I'm happy it happened, but I wouldn't wish it on anyone. And so to that point, I thank you so much for, I've actually had a few epiphanies on this call. So this is why I do this. This is why I do this so often. Mm -hmm. Because I never leave these chats without feeling like I've got to go head to my journal and have a moment, you know, with these. Yeah. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for um, going there with me. I appreciate it more than you'll ever know. But I, the audience needs to know, where can they find you? Yeah. Um, so you Instagram is probably my best resource because it's, it's where I kind of show up at the most. Um, I always kind of struggle with my participation level <laughs> in the social world because I kind of want to participate here in my world <laughs> more, but that's where I show up the most and it's easy to find me at just andrew.carruthers. Um, don't follow the guy in Britain because he gets upset that everyone follows him. And they're like, why do your hairdresser friends always follow me? <laughs> but um anyway you can find me on instagram you can also head to my website um, i actually just built a great new website this past year with my friends at freebird um, which huge shout out to them if you are a coach or someone that needs support with creating an awesome website i could not recommend them higher they are fantastic because i finally feel like i actually have a website that represents me and people can go to and i'm proud of where i'm like yeah, you can actually go to this website, 
get a sense for who I am, what I do as a coach. It's not hard to find the information. It's clear. I think it's a beautiful looking website. And so it's actually a place I'm, I'm excited to send people to now versus before it was kind of like, well, yeah, I have a website, but don't go to that. <laughs> um, but the website is thejourneyist.life. And um, those are probably the two best places. I'm on Facebook too. I don't uh, do a whole lot on my Facebook, but um, yeah, those are the two best places to connect with me. Amazing. And I know you have a program every Thursday. It's kind of an informal thing, but I love it. So I need the audience to know about it. Um, with actually another guest on this podcast with Carlo Novoa. Mm-hmm. And two of you have Testimony Thursdays. Yes. Which I'm, I can't remember. I know my time, Newfoundland time, but I'm like, I live on a little island in the middle of nowhere that has a 30 minute time zone all on its own. So what time is it in real life? Thank you. It's 10 a.m. Pacific, um, 10 a.m. Pacific on Instagram, Carla Naboa, which is at Lit From Within. Um, every, pretty much every Thursday we go live together. Um, also, you know, even if you're not a hairdresser, Wellness Wednesday, the program I have on the Sambia Hair YouTube and Facebook channel, it's every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific. Some of my guests are hair specific, but what they talk about from a hair standpoint really speaks to everyone. And I have great coaches, great mentors, great leaders on there. So that's another place they could check out too, Stephanie, as, as Wellness Wednesday on the Sambia channels. I highly recommend that. And that's something that I put in my calendar. If I can't make it, I always watch it after. And that's where I've gotten so many inspirational new friends from the, from your channel, because I love everybody that you have on there. So thank you for that too. And I know the audience will enjoy it again. Like you said, you don't have to be a hairstylist to relate to that message because it is wellness, you know, so, and we all need more of that in our lives. So thank you. I have one last question. And mm-hmm. this is one of those, like, cause I love it on podcasts where they have that last question and it's like, <laughs> it tells us a little bit more about you. So let's pretend that it's groundhog day, but it's not like a bad groundhog day. It's actually the best one ever. The day that you would relive over and over again, doesn't have to have happened. You can create it. Or if it has happened, fill us in. What did you listen to? What did it feel like? What was great about it? What food would you eat? Um, what book would you read? What movie, whatever, what does your day look like? Hmm. Holy cow. Okay. Well, since it would be, it would, it would be too hard to isolate one that's already happened. I'll just kind of painted a picture. And the great thing is it'll be in kind of a painting of what happens most days. Um, I love it. Wake up early because I love to get up early. Uh, most days, some days I do choose to just stay in bed and cuddle with the dogs, cuddle with my wife, you know, but most days I I actually like to pop out of bed and and I have about an hour and a half ritual each day um, to start off my morning, which is shadow yoga, which is a traditional Hatha yoga form, um, breath work, uh, specifically oxygen advantage breath work, but, um, I've just been recently turned on to. So um, since we're talking about like the perfect day, it would still start out with the shadow yoga practice, the breath work practice, because I just love it. And it, it feels so good. And it makes me so happy. Um, then it is funny because it, it's such a great recognition that like, yeah, what the hell am I wishing for? Because I have it. But you know, most days I go down, make coffee in the morning. I make this like, really beautiful. I don't know if you've heard of bulletproof style coffee, where it's like the butter and the MCT oil. I put cardamom and the orange oil and cinnamon and like coconut milk and I make these awesome coffees for us. And then we sit in our living room that has these big windows and it looks out over in the entire valley of uh, the Rogue Valley. And we just sit there. We sip on our coffee, hang out with the dogs, and then we take the dogs for a walk. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's what most mornings look like. And then, um, the music aspect is all over the place. I seriously, my day is filled with bluegrass, rock and roll, 
um, jazz, Hindu chanting, like it, all of it, honestly, like every, everything old country and, um, and the day kind of winds through with having a great relationship with my one-to-one coaching clients, having group coaching classes, just being able to present to people things that I'm passionate about. One of the things that Franklin Covey talks about is sharpening the saw. And I think that that's something that's really important to me every day is taking time where I learn something. I, you know, practice something for myself. Um, that might be in practicing my guitar or playing mandolin. It might be studying breath work. It might be in, um, you know, studying a new coaching modality, but something that feels inspiring and growth oriented for myself. And then I like to finish my day with a little bit of meditation. Then I go pour myself a whiskey or a glass of wine or a nice beer. I start to cook my wife and I something awesome for dinner. And then we sit down and watch a fun TV show or a movie or something and um, relax on the couch. I just described just honestly exactly what we do most days of my life and i'm like oh shit like that's exactly what i want to do (laughs) so that is it is literally groundhog day and i guess i'm happy it is i love that but you know what i love as i was saying that like as you were talking i was thinking the joy of this is that you get to help others to do the same you know? And so your clients really do get the benefit of all of that. So many of us are still searching for that place. Right. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Thanks for letting me share. And I apologize for being a little long winded. (laughs) Oh, you never have to apologize for that. Listen, this audience knows when they're settling into this is probably going to be three car rides. So that is, that's part of the let your woo woo show experience, put it on car ride to work, put it on car ride after. And if you're not there yet, then the next morning you can fill in the rest. I love everybody for being here. I love you so much, Andrew, for bringing like you to the table for being here and giving us your time. And um, till the next time we connect. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, that concludes this episode of the Let Your Woo Woo Show podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and don't forget to share to anyone you think would enjoy it. And remember, we are all a little woo woo. That's what makes you you. Much love to you all. Until next time.